Welcome to the L Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Kafko. This podcast is about L's, letting go what doesn't serve you, learning who we are and what we want out of life, leveling up to live it to the fullest, and most importantly, loving ourselves in the process. So let's figure out this thing called life together. Here we go. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I am at a hotel in New York City, so if you hear all the noise, I am sorry. But today is today's a difficult subject, just giving you a heads up. We're talking about death. I know that's, that sounds dramatic, but, you know, we deal with death all the time, right? And it's hard. And I wanted to talk about this because death has been on my mind a lot. And I'll explain why. Death is something that I've I've been thinking a lot about for many different reasons. And it's because I can see it coming. And I see it in my dog, Burberry. She turns 10 next week. Tomorrow, next week is her birthday. And she's getting older. Like, she... She can't jump anymore. She won't jump up into the bed. She won't jump onto the car. She won't jump onto the couch. And it hit me just recently because because this this has just happened like recently. Like her not wanting to jump up onto things has probably changed within the last like month or so. And so it it hit me that oh no, she's getting older. She like. I'm starting to see her change. And that's so hard because it it means, you know, change eventually is going to lead to her dying. And another way that it's kind of been on my mind lately is I had a dermatology appointment. Um, my mother had melanoma skin cancer. My grandmother, her mom, also had melanoma skin cancer. So it runs in my family. And... So I had a dermatology appointment to, you know, get all my moles checked and make sure, you know, how my skin is doing. Um, And I was expecting it to just be a routine check. Like, yeah, everything looks good. But at the end of my appointment, my doctor was like, "Um, I actually just want to remove one of your birthmarks. Like one of your, I guess you called it a mole. It looked fine to me. It was on my leg. It looked like any other birthmark. It looked like a little brown dot. But then when she looked at it with, she had like a really cool little magnifying glass that she was using to look at all my birthmarks. When she looked at it and I saw, I was like, oh no, that that looks nothing like what I see it right now. Like if you, you only see how oddly shaped, discolored it was if you zoomed in. And so they removed it and they sent the biopsy for lab testing and it got me thinking, oh no, like, what if I do have skin cancer? What if I have melanoma too? Like, I, what would that mean for my life, right? That would mean chemo, that would mean maybe radiation, that would mean putting pregnancy on hold, right? Like, I started thinking about how much my life would change if that was something that would happen. And it, it, it scared me a little, because, you know, both of both of my relatives, my grandma and my mom died from melanoma. And so it got me thinking, right? 
Like, it's those moments where you realize, like, you're not going to live forever either. And, like, it made me think. It was one of those moments where I'm like, shit, what have I been doing with my life? Have I been living it, you know, the best way I have? Who haven't I talked to? Like, it was one of those moments. One of those moments. And, and it was hard because I... I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know how to answer those questions, right? And I don't think any of us usually are never really living the lives that we dream of, right? I mean, some people probably are, and that's great. I know for me, like, I haven't achieved all the things I wanted to achieve, right? Like, I want to have kids. I want to see places. I want to go visit family in Mexico more. I want to do a lot of things. And the thought of not being able to do those things, right? scary and in both of these situations where you know death was on the forefront of my mind I started doing this thing that I always do and that's pre-grieving and pre-grieving is exactly what it sounds like it's when you see death coming and you already start to feel its weight feel the loss and you start grieving before anything's even happened. Uh, My first experience with this was when my mom was diagnosed with skin cancer. It was stage four because they they caught it way too late. And I was like already, in my mind, she was already dead. As soon as she was diagnosed, she was already dead. Like, there was no, in my mind, there was no happy ending to this story. And, and that's, that makes death, dealing with death, even harder because you're grieving once, pre-grieving, but then when the person actually dies, then you're grieving again, all over again. So you do it twice. And it sucks. It sucks because you're, you're never not grieving, right? You're never actually enjoying the moments you have with this person, with this dog, with yourself because you're too busy grieving. And I I really struggled with that with my mom because I wanted to enjoy those moments, right? Like, you never know how things are going to end. Like, wait, I don't want to say wasting your time because I will be very honest. I don't know how to not pre-grieve. I know that I shouldn't, (laughs) but I don't know how to not do it, right? Like, I think it's a coping mechanism of like, okay, my brain wants to mentally prepare myself for what this is going to be like when this person actually passes. And to be fair, like we're all going to die someday, right? And so my brain is like, okay, let's let's play this out in our head to see what it's going to be like so that way when it does happen, you know what to expect. And I don't blame my brain for doing that at all, right? Like that sounds like a good idea, right? Like you prepare for interviews, right? So why would you not prepare for death? But it it doesn't, it, it takes a lot of your energy and it takes a, a huge emotional toll on you because you're using all your energy to do something that you don't even know if you need to do yet, right? If I would have spent my time, like right now, I'm trying not to pre-grieve Burberry because I don't want to, like, if I did that, Every time I saw her, which she lives with me, I see her all the fucking time, right? Every time I saw her, I would just start crying 
And there are moments where I'm driving in the car, I look in my rearview mirror, and I see her little ears flopping in the back, you know, with the bumps in the road, and it makes me smile. But then it hits me, there's, uh, there's going to be a time where I look in that mirror, and I'm not going to see those little ears, right? And that, oh man, I'm already crying. <laughs> see, I can't do it. I can't do it. You, it's going to suck. But I would rather look in that mirror now and smile and enjoy and know that she is here now than to spend it crying all the time. Because that's not what I want our last few years to be like, right? I'm hoping I have a few more years with her at least. Um, but this can be really hard, especially if you have a terminally ill parent, friend, relative. If you're terminally ill, I know this is so hard. I can't even imagine, actually, what it would be like to be in that position. I know for my mom, she she struggled with this. Like We never talked about it, but I could see it in her actions and how she she changed per, like her personality changed she also pre-grave grave pre-grave pre-grieved she also was kind of going through that because she gave up and and it's at that point that when the person gives up there's there's no more fighting right and and it's downhill from there and i saw that moment happen with my mom where she gave up she's like this I don't see myself getting out of this alive right and she stopped putting on her makeup every day which is something she'd done for 57 years right or maybe not 57 years she probably didn't put makeup on as a kid well I don't know knowing my mom maybe she did but she you know she stopped caring about what she looked like and and I, I will I say that because my mom always cared about what she looked like she would never leave the house without makeup and I noticed that, you know, when she stopped doing that, she stopped caring. She stopped caring about what she looked like because she didn't, she didn't think she mattered anymore. And that was really, really hard to see. Um, and so when you're, when you're dealing with this with a loved one, where you don't know how it's going to end, right? Whether they, they're battling cancer, whether, you know, they were in a car accident or whether they got COVID, right? Like there's so many instances where death could get a grip on your relative, on your loved one, and you don't know how it's going to come out on the other end. I'm, I wanted to talk about this because one, I wanted to raise awareness that this is a thing that even happens, right? Like a lot of people probably don't know, you know, why are you feeling sad all the time? Yes, this is a hard situation, but like people deal with this all the time, right? Like there's people out there that have a relative with cancer, that have a relative that's sick, that are sick themselves. I'm not special in that instance, which let me tell you, yes, you are. Like, don't ever invalidate how you're feeling because someone else also is going through or someone has it worse, right? It can be difficult to to even acknowledge that you're pre-grieving because it, it can be hard. It can be hard because you don't know what else to do, right? It sucks. You're, you're, you've never, for the most part, I don't think any of us ever think, hey, I wonder what it's going to be like when so-and-so dies, right? What is it going to be like? What am I going to feel like? How's my life going to change? A lot of the times you can't even fathom 
what it's going to be like. You can't even think about what it's going to be like until something like this happens, until someone gets diagnosed, until someone stops jumping up into the car. And then you're like, oh shit, like this is something that could happen. And it's in those moments that it hits you. And that's when pre-grieving kicks in and you start mentally preparing yourself. And I don't blame you for also trying, your brain also trying to prepare you for it because nothing really can prepare you for it. Like pre-grieving was not nearly as bad as actual grieving. And I don't mean to say that pre-grieving is not real grieving. Like, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say it was way worse (laughs) after my mom actually passed. Because at least in pre-grieving, I could still see her, right? I could still hold her. I can still see Burberry. I can still play with her, right? And kind of shake it off in the moment. And then just enjoy the time that I have at that moment. With post-grief, I should call it that. With post-grief, you don't have that anymore. And that makes it even harder. And like I said, I don't I don't know how to not pre-grieve. Um, one thing that my therapist taught me to do when I'm in my head in those moments is to ground myself. And the way that I do that, especially when I'm driving, when I'm driving, it's the worst because I look in the mirror, I see her head, the thought comes to my mind, I'm not going to see that one day. So my eyes start tearing up. Um, you kind of need good vision to drive, right? And so when my eyes are all watery and I can't see, I'm like, oh no, this is dangerous. So it's in those moments when I'm driving that I have to ground myself. And I do that by taking inventory of my surroundings. And so as I'm driving, I'll be like, okay, red fire hydrant, uh, blue sky, um, four light signs, four street signs, you know, whatever. I start naming my surroundings because that resets your brain to like, okay, here's what's actually, here's reality, right? That's grounding. It's grounding your brain into reality instead of thinking about the future, instead of thinking about the past, it helps it stay in the moment. And so I do that to kind of reset my brain to like, okay, we're, we're not going to that place right now. We're here. And it helps. It helps a lot. And so that's what I try to do, especially when it comes to Burberry, because otherwise, what's the alternative, right? Crying all the time, not enjoying the time that I do have left with her. And I'm thankful that my lab results came back. Um, My mole was atypical, so it means there were some odd-looking cells there, but they think they removed all of it. So for now, we're just keeping an eye on it, wearing my sunscreen, right? Being very proactive about my skincare moving forward. Um, So dodge a bullet there, but not everyone has that. Not everyone can dodge a bullet. And eventually bullets come for, for all of us, right? And I'll think about that when that time comes. But for now, I'm going to enjoy the time I have in my life, the time I have in Burberry's life, and for anyone else who is caring for a parent, for a friend, for a partner, 
keep yourself grounded. Enjoy the moments you have now. And I, I know that kind of sounds cliche, but it's true. Like, I I wish I wouldn't have wasted a lot of my energy pre-grieving my mom. Because it made the whole situation just heavier. Because pre-grieving is like a wet towel. I don't know, I don't know what the phrase is. Wet towel, wet rag, wet blanket. Whatever. It was something wet <laughs> that was just laying on me all the time. And it just made me cold and it made me, you know, unhappy and feel weighed down. It was not fun. And and I don't want anyone to to feel like they're they're struggling with it alone. A lot I think a lot of us do this. Um again, like I said, it might be a coping mechanism. I'm not a therapist, but a lot of things are coping mechanisms, right? Um and it's it's not something to be ashamed of either. Like, I think when I was pre-grieving, I thought I was weak because I'm I'm an emotional wreck, right? I I can't handle this situation, but I need to be strong for my mom and you know, I'm failing her. And and none of that is true. I mean, I know that now looking back, in the moment I didn't because in the moment I in pre-grieving, I didn't see anything else but grief. And I want you to know if you're in that situation, like you're not a failure. You're you're not less than, you're not weak for feeling these feelings. If your brain is trying to prepare you, that's because it's it's trying to do what it thinks is best for you and for your safety and for your health. And sometimes that doesn't align with what you need, right? What you need right now is to enjoy your time, to to be there for your loved one, to be in the moment. Um, and your brain is just trying to, to help prepare you for what's to come if it comes. But that's the thing, right? If it comes, you don't know if it's going to come. And grieving twice, it's, it's not something I want anyone to ever have to go through. But if they are going through it, know that you're not alone. Know that I think it's a normal thing. I don't think anyone should ever feel ashamed for for feeling those feelings, especially given the situation, right? You're doing the best you can. Your brain is trying to do the best it can in this situation. And the best thing you can do is take care of yourself. Go to therapy if you can. Have someone that you can vent to, that you can share with, that you can cry with. Um, I don't think trying to ignore those feelings is the best either. Um, don't like ignore what you're going through. Um, because then when it, if it does hit and the person does pass all of that built up emotion, like that's just not good for you. Um, so yeah, take care of yourself, do what you need to do to, to get by, right. To get through, because this is a tough situation you're going through. Um, and have faith whether you're a religious person or not, just have faith that things will hopefully work out for the best for, for everyone. And if they don't, then at least know that you tried to enjoy every moment you had with that person, with you know your loved one, that you did your best. Have faith that you're doing the best you can. Because that really, really, really that's all you can do. And that's all anyone can ever expect of you. Whether you're caring for a loved one, whether you're the one in the situation, know that 
there was really nothing else you could do except your best. And that's, and I will tell you, your best is going to look different. Like it's going to look different than what your best is now, what your best is before the diagnosis. It's going to look different day to day, right? Some days your best is I took them to a doctor's appointment and I made it through without crying. Other days, your best is I cleaned the whole fucking house. I ordered all the prescription refills. I did a full day of work. I did a workout, right? It's going to change day to day. But regardless of what you did yesterday, your best today is still your best today. And I'm so proud of you for for doing what you can because it's hard. I hope this was helpful. I hope that you feel validated, right? Because it's difficult. And especially if you if you don't have anyone that has any sort of idea what you're going through. I remember struggling when I was taking care of my mom because I was 23, 25. I was young, youngish. <laughs> I was young, right? And I didn't know many other you know, early 20-year-olds that were also taking care of a sick sick parent, right? So no one could relate to how much that impacted my life. It makes it hard because you feel alone, but you're not. I am here for you. I am happy to hear and listen to you vent. I'm happy to send you memes, whatever you need. I'm here for you. I know this is kind of a a hard subject, but it's something that doesn't get talked about like a lot. And so I'm, I'm here to talk about it. Okay. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. If this episode was helpful, please share it with your mom, your friend, your neighbor, everyone. Help me spread this word as far as possible because we can all use a friend that gets us and that's there for us. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next episode.